Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to follow us using your favorite podcast software. And also, uh, you can check out all of the podcasts we do at greatdetectives.net. I want to highlight one specifically, the Old Time Radio Superman podcast. We have over a thousand episodes where I went through every Superman serial and half-hour episode over the course of more than 10 years. Uh, You can check that out over at otrsuperman.com. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. We'll be bringing you parts one and two today, parts three through five on Friday. The original air date from today's episodes are January 23rd and 24th, 1956, and this one is The Duke Red Matter, Episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Niles Pearson, Johnny, at Universal Adjustment Bureau. Oh, how are you, Niles? Worried at the moment. Can you help me out? I don't know. What's on your mind? $65,000 worth of horse flesh. Ever hear of Duke Red... Yeah, I think so. The Futurity last year? That's the horse. Johnny, Columbia Indemnity is going to have to settle a claim on him. Why? Duke Red was seriously injured and had to be destroyed. Did you say 65000 Yeah. No wonder you're worried, Niles. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account... America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Universal Building, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Duke Red matter. Expense account item one, $197.80. Airfare and incidentals getting me from Hartford to San Francisco and a town about 40 miles south of there called San Pietro. At the San Pietro Hotel, I learned that the Abbott Ranch was some five miles outside of town, but that the Abbott Stables maintained offices in San Pietro. Hello. Hello. I'd like to get in touch with Mr. Abbott. My name's Johnny Dollar. Oh, Mr. Abbott's never here. He's mostly out at the ranch. You'll have to see him there. Oh. Well, uh, is there any place in town I can rent a car? Not that I know of. Bus? Afraid not. What's your business with Mr. Abbott? Insurance. I'm here to adjust a claim of his. Oh, yes, Duke Red. Could I see Mr. Abbott's business manager? Uh, Mr. Monroe? Mr. Monroe isn't with Mr. Abbott's office any longer. Well, now, that's funny... He was with Mr. Abbott's office three days ago when he notified us that a claim was being filed in this matter. I got it right here on paper. Oh. Well, you might as well know. Mr. Abbott and Mr. Monroe ended things. Mr. Abbott let him go. Mm, I see. 
Who's in charge now? No one at the moment. Maybe I can put you in touch with Mr. Abbott at the ranch. Good. Nine, four, three, three, please. Smoke? No, thanks. Hello, Cully. This is Judy at the office. Is Mr. Abbott there? When do you expect him? Thanks. Out for the day, Mr. Dollar. <laughs> I'm not doing very well, am I? I wish I could be more helpful. Well, maybe you can. Uh, this man, Monroe. If you could tell me where I can get in touch with him, I'd appreciate it. Didn't you understand? He doesn't work for Mr. Abbott any longer. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, he did notify us about the claim. Evidently, he's aware of the circumstances in the matter, and that's what I'm here to talk about. I see. Well? Mr. Monroe isn't in San Pietro any longer. He moved out of town on Tuesday. But where? He didn't leave a forwarding address, Mr. Dollar. <laughs> Where's the laundry going to send their bills? How about the finance company? He just left, and that's it. You want to know something? I don't get it. She dropped her eyes, mumbled something about having work to do, and uh, we left it at that. I put it in the back of my mind and asked someone else about this Mr. Monroe. Then I got busy solving one of my immediate problems. Expense account item two, $50. Deposit on a 1940 Terraplane station wagon I managed to rent from a man who ran a filling station. Idea was $10 a day plus gas. Item three, $5.08, a tank full of gas. The Terraplane bucked a little, but it got me outside of town about four miles to the office of a tall, lanky man who never took his hat off. Dr. James Gorey, veterinarian. All the way from Hartford, Connecticut, huh? Yes, that's right. And having sunshine like this back there now, I'll bet you you're here about the Duke, huh? Duke Red, yes. The people who wrote the policy want me to look into the matter. Hope there's nothing wrong, is there? No, matter of procedure, doctor. Mr. Abbott's filed a claim for $65,000 indemnity, the loss of his racehorse. Mr. Monroe, who handled these matters for Mr. Abbott, is no longer around. Uh, yes, I understood they quarreled. Yeah. Mr. Abbott isn't around at the moment either, so I came to you. I don't believe I understand this. If Ben Abbott's bought that much insurance, he's sure got a right to file a claim for damages. Well, it's just good business to get the facts, Dr. Gorey, that's all. Quite a bit of money involved here. Yes. Red was worth lots more than that, though. Oh? That horse would have won over $500,000, in my opinion. Full racing terminal. Yeah, well, it's too bad about all this. I understand from Mr. Monroe's correspondence that uh, you treated the animal, Doctor. Yeah, um, yes. I take care of most of Ben's stock when they're here, when he's not on the road racing. Uh-huh. I'd like to know exactly how the accident happened, Doctor. There was, uh, something about a piece of machinery? A tractor with the blades up. Huh? Uh, Duke Red stumbled back into it hard, cut through his right hamstring all the way to the bone. I see. Do you make out a report in a case like this? In any case, Mr. Dollar... Animals just like human. This one more valuable than most, I guess. Any of them liable to get sick or hurt sometime. Here's the report. Thanks. They're pretty careful out there with all those animals. Naturally, they constitute a considerable investment on Ben Abbott's part. Yeah, sure. Oh. Most of the tendons cut, huh? Yes. Them as wasn't severed were ruptured. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. What? Well, there's a notation about the carcass. Cremated on the premises? Yes. 
Well, let's see. The accident happened Sunday night, cremated same night. Why so fast, Doctor? Ben Abbott wanted it that way. Can't blame him, I guess. Maybe not. But it'll make my job a little more complicated. Unless some x-rays were taken of the injury. There was no need for me to go into x-rays. Paralysis had already set in by the time I got there. Yeah, but that doesn't help me much, does it? Hmm? What do you mean? No carcass, no proof of the extent of injury to the animal. Lord, man, the animal was in a bad way. It was a mortal injury. How was he destroyed? Shotgun. Could he have lived? I mean, long enough for me you to... You don't understand, Mr. Dollar. It had been wrong not to destroy him with injuries like that. Mr. Abbott called you in right after the accident happened, did he? Yes. I got out there maybe 15 minutes later. Ben was alone with the horse. The minute I laid eyes on that animal, I knew he was finished, that he'd have to be destroyed. You advised Mr. Abbott that the horse had to be destroyed? I didn't have to. He knew it. He knows horse flesh as good as any vet alive. Well, did you consider calling in someone else? What? Another doctor for consultation. I tell you, man, there was no use in going into anything like that. Did Mr. Abbott ask you to call in another vet? No, he did not. Who else was there? Nobody. No stable hand? No member of Mr. Abbott's family? No. Well, who saw the accident? Mr. Abbott. Who else? I don't know, Mr. Dollar. Like I said, just Ben was there when I got there. (sighs) I haven't any proof that the animal was injured. You just read my report. I've got $65,000 to worry about, Dr. Gorey. I'll need more than just a report. Young man, I've been in business here over 30 years. I've done business with Ben Abbott over 20 years. You come here asking me if I called in another vet. If I did this, if I did that. There isn't a man around here who won't take my word. Why don't you? Part of my job, Dr. Gorey. Huh? I can't take anybody's word for anything. Mr. Dollar, I'd be obliged if you'd get out of here. I obliged, Dr. Gorey. I got out of there. Driving back to San Pietro on my terraplane, it struck me as odd that Gorey, certainly aware of the value of the injured horse, had not taken so much as a photograph to verify the story of the accident. For that reason, I decided to verify Dr. Gorey himself. Well, hello. Hi. How you doing? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you can help me. All right, try me. Well, this Dr. Gorey, is he new around here? <laughs> You're joking. No, I'm not. He's a fixture. He's been in this part of the country 30 or 40 years. They say he's the best vet this side of Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> that takes in quite a bit of real estate. Is he loaded? I think he could retire and give advice over the phone. These horse racing people make new parents look like indifferent vegetables. They do? You don't know. A horse sneezes once and they're ready to call the Mayo Brothers. <laughs> Dr. Gorey's practically the whole Mayo Clinic in horsey circles. Say, how did you know about him? The insurance report. <laughs> of course. Well, I suppose you'd want to talk to him. Look, I'm driving out that way. I'd be glad to give you a lift. Oh, that's mine out there. <laughs> that? Yeah, rented it from a filling station man down the street. Oh, well, you just drive right on past the filling station for about three miles and you'll see Dr. Gorey's place. Oh, thanks, but I've already been there. Huh? Yeah, just left him. Well, then why are you asking me about him? Heavens. Just asking. (laughs) You're a funny one. (laughs) What's your name? Judy Brown. About finished here for the day? As a matter of fact, yes. Well, Judy Brown, let you and I go get something to eat and drink. How do you know I haven't got a husband? I don't. Have you? No. Well, how about it? 
Give me five minutes. Judy, I'm going to get right to the point. How long have you worked for Mr. Abbott? A year and a half. Why? You're from San Pietro? No, San Francisco. I answered an ad. I wanted to get out in the country for a while, away from the city life. Mm-hmm. All right. What happened between Monroe and Abbott? They had a quarrel. A loud, loud quarrel. Mr. Abbott's very good with a quarrel. Oh, is he? Yes. You know, even I've wondered about that. What? Mr. Monroe quarreling with Mr. Abbott and then just leaving all of a sudden. Probably went to San Francisco. I don't know where else he... Oh. What's the matter, Judy? That looks like Mr. Monroe now. Monroe? Yes, end of the bar. I thought he was away. It's him, all right. Oh, I'd like to talk to him. You'll have to hurry. Looks like he's getting ready to leave. Yeah. Excuse me. Sure. Hey. Hey, just a minute. You calling me? Yes. Mr. Monroe? Yes? Johnny Dollar, Universal Adjustment Bureau. I'm in town about the claim on Duke Red. But I heard you'd left town. I had. You talked to Mr. Abbott about that claim. Well, you had power of attorney for him and signed the claim. I wonder if I could talk to you. I'm leaving town again. Right away. Well, look, can't I just have a minute of your time? It wasn't my horse. It belonged to Ben Abbott. Talk to him. Now get out of my way. Oh, hey, wait a minute. Let him handle his own dirty business. Look, Mr. Monroe. Get out of my way. Johnny Dollar. Ready with your call to Mr. Pearson in Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, thanks, operator. Hold on, please. Go ahead. Hello? Hello, Johnny? Yeah. I got your wire. Hold up payment on the Abbott claim? That's right. Anything wrong? I haven't talked to Abbott yet. The people I have talked to are all wrong. The veterinarian who handled a horse, a secretary in Abbott's office, and an office manager he fired. There's something cockeyed around here. Any ideas? Not yet. Okay. We'll hold up the claim on your say-so, and if there was anything wrong about that horse's death, you better find out about it. No. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Universal Building, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Duke Red matter in San Pietro, California. Expense account item three, 48 cents, postage. I sent a registered letter containing a copy of Dr. Gorey's injury report on the racehorse Duke Red to a veterinarian service in Cleveland, asking them to verify the extent of injuries to the animal. Item four, 25 cents, toll call to the Abbott's branch outside of San Pietro. Whoever answered the phone told me that Mr. Abbott was busy somewhere in the grounds. I didn't bother to leave my name. Instead, I drove right on out. The Abbott breeding farm was complete with white fences, rolling green hills, bluegrass, and a stately old colonial residence set at the end of a long roadway among towering trees. From the porch of the house, I was able to see the stables and a trainer working with a horse out on the ranch track. Yes, sir. 
Good morning. Good morning. My name's Johnny Dollar. I'd like to see Mr. Abbott, please. Uh, yes, sir. Come in, please, sir. I'll try to find Mr. Dollar. You want to wait here, sir? Thank you. He left me standing in one of the biggest living rooms I'd ever seen in my life. I took a plant in front of the fireplace, lit up a cigarette, and began to look at the pictures and statues of racing horses lining the mantelpiece. Pretty soon, things started. A blonde girl in a yellow suit walked in, having an argument with a gray-haired man in Jotfors. They didn't see me as they entered, or they just didn't pay any attention to me. Pardon. Strong enough to have brains enough to live as you please. I forbid oh, you to... I know what you're going to say. Oh, <clears> about how you forbid it and it can't go on. Well, let me tell you, it can go on just as long as I want it to go on, and I don't care what you do. Now you listen to me, young lady. As long as you're in this house and under this roof, you will conduct yourself according to the way I dictate. Dictate? Yes. Who are you, Hitler or somebody? Don't whatever you do interfere with me again, ever. Terry. I'm sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. That was as much as I heard, but then it didn't last long. I saw them go out and walk around the garden once, shake fists at each other, finally part. He disappeared up a narrow stairway, and then, about a minute later... Wait a minute, who... Hello. Hello. How long have you been here? Uh, too long. Oh. Why didn't you speak up? <laughs> well, I cleared my throat a couple of times, but no good. Then I... I tried to look like I didn't hear anything. Nothing seemed to work. If it helps any, I'll keep it all under my hat. I won't tell a soul. He doesn't like the company I keep. What do you think of that? I don't know anything about it. Give me a general viewpoint, at least. Well, I've run into a lot of parents who don't approve of the kind of company their sons or daughters keep. In my court of human relations, parents don't always know what kind of company their daughters and sons need. When those daughters and sons reach the age when they need company. Good. You're on my side. I didn't finish. On the other hand, daughters and sons have the same problem. They don't seem to know either. You're a coward. Who are you? Johnny Dollar. I'm here to see Mr. Abbott about insurance. Was that Mr. Abbott? Yes. You're not an insurance salesman. You're here about Duke Red, about what happened to him, aren't you? That's right. I'm Terry Abbott. Glad to know you. How much money did Daddy have Red insured for? $65,000. $65,000. I, um, I don't suppose you have a cigarette. Sure. Thank you. Has the claim been paid yet? No, not yet. If Red had made the tracks this year, he would have doubled that. Tripled it, probably. There's not enough money in the world to replace that horse. He was a great running horse. I've heard that before. Dr. Gorey mentioned it. Look, I, I'm sorry all this happened. Dad shouldn't have shot Red. We understand he was injured beyond hope. That's a lie. That's a what? Dad shouldn't have shot him. He just shouldn't have done it. Red was the only horse in the whole stables worth anything. The only thing around here worth anything. Wasn't the horse injured? Injured? Oh, that's what you'll hear. They'll all tell you that. But I can tell you something else. Terry, what are you talking about, anyhow? He's an insurance man, Dad, and I can tell him the whole thing, and I will. Go to your room, Terry. It was a terrible thing to do, shooting Red. It, it was just like murder, and you know Be it. Be quiet and go to your room. It was murder. 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 Stop it. <gasps> now, go to your room. Thank you for the cigarette, Mr. Dollar. 
she's been terrible about all this. Very upset. Any time I've had her destroy an animal around here, she gets like that. Been that way ever since she was a little girl. I see. I knew I'd have to put up with her acting like this, but I'm reluctant to apologize to you for her actions or for mine. Jim Gorey told me you were in to see him yesterday afternoon. I wish Dr. Gorey hadn't told you that. I intended to tell you myself, Mr. Abbott. If I've offended you, I'm sorry for it. Makes me look I'm doing, doing something shady. You could have come right to me instead of going to Dr. Gorey. I tried to. You were out. Then you could have waited till I came in. If this is the way that insurance company operates, I might have to find a different one. Look, Mr. Rabbit, there's quite a bit of money at stake here. We have to go to everybody during an investigation. Dr. Gorey ordered the horse destroyed. It seemed very reasonable to go to him and ask why he took that action. We want to know all the circumstances. If you talk to Gorey, you know them. Why are you bothering me? What do you want? I want all the information you can give me about the accident. The time, date, people who saw it, exactly what happened, where it happened. Do you always handle a case this way? It's the way I'm handling this one. I don't like it very much, sneaking around behind my back. No matter what you think of me or my methods, Mr. Abbott, I'm the man assigned to handle this claim. My report has to be completed before the matter can be settled. They don't know what they're doing, sending a man like you out here. You filed a claim. What did you expect? A little decency and respect and courtesy. That's what I expected. That fool Monroe filed the claim. I understand he had power of attorney as your office manager to do that. Well, he did it too soon. I would have waited until things calmed down around here a bit. What do you mean? Well, you saw how my daughter acts. Losing a fine racing animal like Red can have a bad moral effect on the entire ranch. That's what I mean. Monroe didn't use his head. So you fired him? Well, that's one of the reasons, yes. Another reason is I don't like him. Never did like him. But what business is that of yours? Are you here to accuse me of something? <sighs> Mr. Abbott, we'll pay off your claim when we're satisfied the circumstances were proper. We're not satisfied now. Let's discuss those circumstances. I'm not afraid of you, Dollar, or your insurance company. I don't like you snooping around my office in town, talking to my friends about me, talking to my daughter about me. No man would. If I don't get my information from you, Mr. Abbott, I'll get it somewhere else. That'll drag this whole matter out. What I've seen of you so far and what information I do have isn't exactly in your favor. I don't like that kind of talk. You don't seem to like anything about this. Now, how about it? Do we keep this up or do we get down to business? The trainer was bringing Red back from his afternoon exercise. Outside the stall, Red got scared. A mouse or something. He reared back and jammed into the blade of the tractor we use out on the track. It cut into his Achilles tendon, hamstrung him. When Dr. Gorey got here, he said that Red didn't have a chance, so I shot him. I'd like to talk to the trainer. What's his name? Tom Warner. Where can I find him? He isn't around anymore. I fired him right then and there. Told him to get off my property and stay off. Where'd he go, Mr. Evans? I don't know. He took his things and cleared out as fast as he could. He knew better than to hang around here. Now, what do you mean by that? What I said. He knew better. That's what I mean. Well, I'll have to find him and talk to him. Who else was there when it happened? No one. Just me. The rest of them were up at the house having dinner. No stable hands, your boy? I just told you, no one. How about right afterwards? I went to the office in the stable and called Dr. Gorey. Before or after you fired Tom Warner? After I fired him. You were there alone with an injured horse? You didn't call up to the house for help, send for anyone up there? You went in and called Dr. Gorey? Yes, we handled it together. Any objections? It would have been better. Perhaps we could have avoided all this unpleasantness if you'd left the remains for us to examine. Dollar. I've got maybe 150 head on this farm. Now and then accidents happen. 
If one of my stock is dead, I get rid of it as fast as I can with as few people as involved as possible. I do that for a number of reasons. That's the way I operate. Nevertheless, you were aware the insurance company would ask you for proof of loss in this matter, and if you The only... insurance company does not run my farm. I run a dollar, and I take orders from no one. Look, I'm trying to tell you the problem we face. We have no carcass to examine. Therefore, we have to ascertain the facts from other sources. Did your daughter see any of this? The accident or destroying the horse? Terry. Yeah. Of course not. You mean those crazy things she was saying when I walked into the room? Well, in view of the crazy circumstances, what she was saying might be worth listening to, Mr. Abbott. Huh. I had the impression that she saw the accident. Pipe dreams. She wasn't even around. I'd like to talk to her just the same. Cully! Cully! You talk to anybody you like, Donna. I don't care. But I hope you made notes today because you've already got all the information you're going to get from me. Yes, sir, Mr. Abbott. Yes, sir. Cully, I want you to look at this man. Yes, sir. His name's Johnny Dollar. Yes, sir. If he comes knocking at this door again, if he even comes to the front gate, if you see him on the grounds ever again, throw him out. I don't want him around here. Yes, sir, Mr. Abbott. And right now, Cully, you can just show him out. You're being foolish about this, Mr. Abbott. Show him out, Cully. This way, Mr. Dollar, sir. Never mind. I can find my own way. Dollar, sir. Mr. Dollar. Huh? Uh, just a minute, sir, if you please, sir. Sorry about that in there, sir. I, I don't believe Mr. Abbott really meant it. Sounded that way to me, Cully. I know how it sounds. He's just, well, not himself. You understand, sir. Not quite, no. Losing the horse and all. Sounds to me more like he's losing his mind. Does it, sir? Huh? Do you think Mr. Abbott's losing his mind? Do you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, sometimes I do. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, the whole case starts to fall apart like a man full of bullet wounds which is just about the case. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back, and we will be back on Friday with episodes three through five. Well, this is a solid first two parts, and I think that the key point of these two episodes is that Johnny is here as a guy who's trying to do a job. And really, he just needs to make sure the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, and he's just running into things. As he said in episode one, I don't get it and the sort of lack of cooperation and strange circumstances really are arousing his suspicions. And Johnny has to determine whether Abbott and Gory are just trying to bluff him with bluster, or if the claim is legitimate, but they're like Captain Brawley from the Molly K matter, where they just expect a complete stranger to do things on their say-so because they're so used to getting their way in their ordinary day-to-day lives. It was interesting to hear Hitler invoked in a family argument. I've heard a few, and I kind of get the sense that in the time that I grew up, that as a general rule, comparing parents to Hitler is is kind of off the table. But Hitler comparisons do come up in old-time radio writing in ways that you just would not expect uh, in the 21st century, which I guess is kind of odd given that they were closer to the events that happened and to the evil that Hitler did. Johnny really does his best to remain professional in these two episodes. I think particularly when he is talking to Abbott and just trying to very calmly explain the challenges that he's facing. He's not even doing the thing where he's trying to rile the guy up and by uh, implying that he did something wrong. Although then again, I think it'd be hard to rile Abbott up. But the one little moment that was maybe not professional, but was kind of hilarious, was when he was talking to the insurance guy at the start of episode two. And the insurance guy was like, you better figure this out if there's something wrong. And Johnny's like, no. It's one of those instructions that really does go without saying, and it's a little annoying when people say it. Listener comments and feedback now, and we have comments from the Spotify for Podcasters Q&A. And this is a newish feature on Spotify, where essentially they ask... Uh, listeners what they think of an episode, and they can give a comment. So we start out over with uh, this on the Kalen matter, and John asked, did anyone get the insurance money? And that's a good question. Now, if Mrs. Kalen is found to have committed homicide against her husband, she's not going to collect on the policy. But what she alleged was that it was an accident. There was a struggle. The gun went off. And if that's what the police investigation supports and the way the criminal justice system shakes it out, does she get the money? That seems more like a question for the insurance company lawyers 
and kind of above Johnny's pay grade. And certainly mine, because I could see an argument that if it was truly an accident, then it would be no different than if you were driving the car and you had a crash and your spouse was killed in the car accident and you're the beneficiary. I also wonder, on a lot of these policies, I know that, for example, on my policy, I have a secondary beneficiary if something were to happen to both me and my wife. Did Eddie have any contingent beneficiaries? And if she did kill him, would the contingent beneficiaries collect? Those are really interesting legal questions that are probably going to vary based on state insurance laws. So, interesting questions, but no definitive answer. On the same episode, uh, Bass and Jay uh, wrote, I enjoy all of the Johnny Dollar episodes, but I like the extra characters in this uh, serial the most. Thank you, Adam. Well, thank you so much, and I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. And then we have a comment from Andy, and this one is on episode two of the Kalen Matter. And Andy writes, where's the second half of the show? This didn't include the resolution of the narrative, and it doesn't seem to be posted as a second episode on your page. And honestly, I've gotten some feedback about this, and I I don't get it. Because consistently, we've kind of shown a pattern of uh, posting, you know, an episode, two parts on Tuesday, three parts on Friday. And if you look through our archives, that's what's happened. And I've gotten a few, like, where is parts three through five? And this is not something that happened when we did uh, the Johnny Dollar serials the first time around. So I'm confused as to where the confusion arose. Uh, it may be that I'll, I generally wait till later on in the episode to give notice about episodes three through five. And I'm endeavoring to mention it sooner and also mention it in the show notes. So hopefully this uh, confusion gets short-circuited. So I apologize if anyone got confused. But this wasn't an issue last time, and I'm not certain why it is uh, this time around, but we're doing our best to make sure that folks are aware when the next episode plays. And then we had, like, really brief uh, positive uh, remarks that I want to acknowledge from Colleen, Vicky, Wooly, Rising Midnight, uh, Demanding More Mikado, Arturo, Hired Gun, and Eekhard, and if there are any others that I missed... Uh, I apologize. And then we also had this uh, comment from Stella on uh, a Johnny Dollar episode. I like it. P.S. I'm 12. Well, thank you so much, Stella. I appreciate you listening, and I hope you discover even more great old-time radio you'll enjoy. And then we have a comment on YouTube from a listener regarding uh, the conclusion of the Lansing fraud matter. Wow, so Shakespearean an ending, littered with bodies. Uh, I would, hadn't thought of it as Shakespearean, but you're right. That episode did have a pretty high body count. 
All right, well now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. I want to go ahead and thank Christine. Christine has been one of our Patreon supporters since July of 2020, currently supporting the program at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Christine. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And please be sure to rate or review the podcast wherever you download us from. This Johnny Dollar story concludes on Friday. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment where... Figure that he... Wait a minute. What is it? Seems to me I just saw something come out of one of those portholes down there. Oh, rather hard to see in the dark. Yeah. Want me to turn on the searchlight? No, no, not yet. Yes, I see it now. It's a rope dangling from the porthole. And somebody's starting to climb down it. Okay, Captain, hit that searchlight. Right. There he goes, climbing down the rope to the water. Dubek, hold it! Mitchell, he let go of the rope and dropped to the water. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm going after him, Captain. Keep that light on him. I dive for a spot a few feet away from Dubek. The water hits me like a hand across the face. When I come up, Dubak is swimming for the center of the channel. I take off after him. Start gaining. Half a dozen more strokes and I've got him. Let go of me! Come on, Dubak, we're going back to the ship. Okay, you want to play rough, huh? I'll oblige you. I jerk my head around just in time to see a tugboat bearing down. I try to get Dubak out of the way, but it's too late. Something awful heavy hits me a glancing blow on the side of the head, and all of a sudden, I've had it. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, Instagram.com slash GreatDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.